In this edition of the TWBC podcast, we uh, we check in with Stephen Island next. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced, on point and to the point. You are listening to The Talk of Tournament Water Skiing. This is the TWBC podcast. And now, here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Greetings, one and all, and uh, welcome to this edition of the TWBC podcast. My name is uh, Tony Lightfoot, and thank you for your continued support of this podcast. All right, then. So uh, with the Travis Grand Prix uh, just a few hours away, we, uh, we check in uh, with a skier who's uh, starting to make a name for himself in, uh, in men's uh, uh, pro, uh, pro tournament slant skiing. Uh, we, we introduce uh, to this uh, podcast Stevie Island. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me, man. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. So uh, fresh off, uh, off your wedding. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, getting ready uh, for uh, for this event uh, at, uh, at Travers. Yeah, I got married just on Sunday, and we're recording this on Thursday. Practice before you know the Grand Prix. Uh, I'm extremely excited to be here, but I haven't really been skiing much because of the wedding weekend that we had in Vegas. Uh, but you know, I can't wait for this event. This is my third Grand Prix, but it's my first time skiing it as a pro. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so you kind of like got got promoted a little bit. I would say. <laughs> yeah. After a lot of hard work, you know, finally coming back as a pro is is really really cool. Um, I think the last time I skied in this event, I ran close to my personal best. I think I ran like two and a half at thirty eight off, uh, and that was just two years ago. Um, and I'm excited to come back and and really you know put the pedal down and try and take down a thirty nine tomorrow and you know make it into the final. Okay, uh, we'll we'll explore the uh, the path that you took uh, to get from that personal best uh, to thirty eight off to your current personal best right now, which is about a third the way down forty one off. Isn't that right? Yeah, halfway down the forty one off line, three or forty one is my PB right now. All right, then. So we'll explore that in a few minutes. But uh, but kind of introduce yourself uh, to to the folks out there because. Uh, people are wondering who the heck is stevie island <laughs> yeah i actually read that online the other day is like, who is stevie island i think it was after i made the, the final at hilltop yeah um you know i come from dallas texas so i'm a south central skier but i i, I grew up skiing so i started when i was about four years old and my first competition a cowboys I was, fan i take it i'm wearing a cowboys hat right now so it's quite obvious isn't it indeed and yeah huge cowboys fan obviously i grew up there uh, and my first competition as a slalom skier was when I was six years old at Bennett's. And so, you know, I grew up with the sport. My father was in the Navy, um, and he was into windsurfing. And when we, he got landlocked due to a job moving him to Dallas, Texas, he wanted to find something that, you know, could give him that thrill again. And so he stumbled upon uh, slalom skiing. And he got really into it. He's a three-eventer himself. Dave yeah. Island, you've probably seen him on. You commented on his uh, national performance uh, just uh, recently yeah. in Illinois. Or not Illinois, sorry, in Kansas. And I was watching that webcast. He did a good job there. Why, thank you. Thank you very much indeed. So, uh, so yeah, so I do know Dave Island. I mean, uh, him and me go way, way back, you know, with the South Central Regional Championships and Nationals and various other record capability tournaments. I didn't really delve too much into his past. And, uh, you know, when I, when, I look at, uh, when, when I look at him and then reconcile the fact that you told me he, he comes uh, from the Navy, then it kind of kind of made sense, you know, yeah. g- given given the closely cropped haircut and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know. He does fit the bill, you know what I mean. 
he's a he's a burly guy. He's a stocky guy. You oh know, yeah, he's a, he's a macho man in a way. Yeah, and he's he, a man's man. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and he's so American. You know what I mean? All my friends growing up, um, a lot of my friends growing up were first generation American, and they would tell me they'd be like, "Stevie, your dad is just so through and through pure blood American, man." And kind of like, like oh. American dad, I guess. I <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's the one who introduced me into the sport of slalom skiing at a very young age, and and um, you know, in the South Central region. It's a bit difficult to be competitive on a global stage. Um, so, you know, I, my big goal every year was to do well at nationals. I podiumed a few times. I actually won it once as a uh, boys two. Back when boys two was when you were about, you know, 10 to 14 years old. Um, so that was a huge accomplishment for me. And that was the last time, you know, I uh, had, you know, gone to that level of competition prior to my collegiate career at at Berkeley College of Music. So I moved to Boston and I took a big step back from the sport. Yeah, so uh, so I, I I didn't realize you actually had to move north to uh, to pursue your college career, uh, Berkeley College of, of Music, right? That's correct. Yes. Okay, so uh, your your degree within with within the scope of that university dealt more with the business end of of music or ra- or, ra- or rather than actually performing, right? It's quite a bit of both. So you have to have a principal instrument and you have to be proficient on that instrument throughout the, you know, your collegiate years uh, with Berkeley. And you get tested on your proficiency with your instrument each and every semester. What instrument? Guitar. Ah, there you go. Yeah. And, you know, I produced music as well. And it's a liberal arts degree, so you have to take the liberal arts requirements, you know. Um, so I took a lot of very interesting courses. It was a through and through four-year education instead uh-huh. of, you know, just an associate's degree or anything like that. Like, it was a full-on collegiate education on top of having to be proficient at your instruments and do your ensembles and all of those requirements. Kind of a bit like Juilliard, I guess, in, in, that re- in that respect. But, I mean, Juilliard is more and more intense towards the performing, right? It's much more classical-focused. Mm-hmm. They have a jazz program, but it's much smaller. Berkeley is much more jazz and contemporary-focused that makes sense yeah yeah i get that so uh so after college i mean you didn't move immediately back to uh, to the dallas fort worth area you uh you you set your sights on south florida and what what was what was the motivation for that was, was there a, a career waiting for you down there or were you looking to uh, to try and get back into the sport and found that 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 area was more more to your liking yeah, well, you know, I grew up um, slalom skiing, as I had mentioned previously, and each and every year my dad wanted to get me coaching because, you know, he didn't have a lot of years in the sport, and he thought that, you know, maybe if we got, went to Florida, we can get him to become, you know, uh, more highly skilled in, in skiing, and we can see him, you know, kind of take off as, a, you know, a young athlete. And so he would, you know, I had the privilege of him taking me to Florida and West Palm Beach or Boca Raton each and every year to go ski with Chet Rayleigh. So me and Chet started skiing together when I was eight years old on an annual basis. And we would go there for a couple of weeks and I would just soak in as much information as I could get from Chet, who's an amazing mentor and coach uh, down in Boca Raton. And then I would take that information back and just work on it myself for the next year. Okay, uh, I are you are you someone that responds well to video coaching as well? I mean, because I mean, certainly, certainly, plenty of opportunities existed uh, for for having someone in the boat to video you so you can analyze it against what you've did. Yeah, of course, but I mean, video coaching. First off, Chet's not 
much of a proponent of video coaching for whatever reason. He has his own reasons. But back then, it wasn't very popular to do because of video recording and sending it. It was such bad quality. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking when I was eight years old, that was 2003. So um, I'd be aging myself a little bit compared to the competition we'll see tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was more of an in-person thing for us and our relationship. So when I thought about moving down to Florida, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to get back into skiing. I mean, I knew I, that was part of it. But I also wanted to, you know, get out of Nashville. I was in Nashville at the time and just focus on a more healthy lifestyle and less of the nightlife thing, less of the musician thing and kind of get more into a, I don't know what you call it, a centered uh, lifestyle. Um, and so that was part of it as well. But of course, the, the skiing was a big motivating factor because I didn't miss the sport a ton because I had taken about five years off at that point. Uh-huh. Okay, so back in back into the sport, back into the swing of things, you got you grown accustomed to uh, uh, to to an existence in South Florida. So kind of, kind of helpful in the gap that, uh, between that and and where where we are where we are right now. Well, I got back into the swing of things, and it was a rough start. It was a rough go of it. You know, I was skiing thirty six miles an hour, but. I wanted to go to a tournament, and basically if I ran 35 on a consistent basis, that was really good for me when I got first back into the sport. And this was probably four years ago when I moved to South Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was kind of a slow climb. Uh, you know, it was, it was frustrating because I didn't have as good of a foundation as I thought I did. And so getting back into it, you know, I didn't have the knowledge of the ski tuning that I, that I needed. I didn't have the knowledge of alignment and swing and all of these fundamental things. I was completely lacking. And so eventually, you know, I started skiing with Wim Decree at Hobe. And, I was, and he got me to the point where I was starting to take down 38 off. Mm -hmm. And that was a big deal for me because I had never run 38 off ever in any speed. And so when I did that, I was like, okay, I'm making progress. I was seeing some progress in my skiing. I was like, okay, I can really focus in and start learning from the best and i think i can actually do this and i started to the idea of being a pro water skier started to creep into my mind even though it was so far-fetched even in that moment when i started to run those 38 offs just in practice okay and, so where were you professionally at that time you know because i mean you graduated from from berkeley and i mean you obviously got your degree uh and you've obviously applied it because you you work as a music copywriter kind of kind of give us a little bit about a little bit of a uh, of an elevator pitch in in regards to that sure yeah i work for ascap which is what's called a performing rights organization in the music industry so how we operate is we license our members' music. Our members are copyright holders of music. Mm -hmm. We have over 14 million songs in our repertory that we represent. So we're talking like uh, like Warner Brothers Music, uh, Warner Brothers Nashville, that uh, the 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 record labels we're talking about. We have a large swath of large label music, of course, mm -hmm. uh, popular music, but we also have independent artists. I mean, anyone can sign up if you are a copyright holder of music which I'm a copyright holder of music and I'm not, you know, signed with any label. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so we have over 750,000 members and I can wow. promise you not all of them are, you know, Taylor Swift level. You know what I mean? So essentially what we do is we license the, their music out to businesses that need to use music. And then we take those funds from the licensing fees and we distribute them back to the copyright holders of the music in form of royalties. Excellent. There's my elevator pitch. For there, there's your, there's your elevator pitch, you know. <laughs> so I mean we, so I mean that's that's the that's the business side side of music, and so 
so now you've established yourself a little bit in central uh in in south florida a uh, whole world away from central florida that, that that's what people tell me <laughs> and now you've established yourself professionally now uh you know any anyone that you speak to at this level in in tournament water ski slalom you know uh i mean they can't do it alone i mean absolutely and i mean i mean and you know the training partner comes into play you know you know so kind of kind of give us a little bit of an idea of your search your search for someone uh who 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 becomes your training partner you know and helps it helps elevate your performance going forward yeah i mean of course chet Rayleigh is a huge mentor and partner of mine but then you know two years ago when at this same tournament i met elizabeth montavon who i'm now just got married to okay so it's been a quick two years but essentially i i went out one day and one morning to boca raton to you know hang out with chet see elizabeth of course because we had started dating at that time um this is shortly after we had met and she's like why don't you just come ski with us and i was like okay so i just got in the boat thinking it was just gonna be a normal set and let me tell you it was not a normal set it blew my mind the energy level of which they had together as you know a mentor mentee type of partnership and the level of skiing and training that i saw was at such a professional level um and it was kind of intense too it was almost palpable and in that moment all i wanted to do was be a part of it so it's kind of like a meet cute on steroids type deal it was it was incredible i can't even describe to you she was just running back to back 38s just down up and down the lake up and down and chet was like that's not good enough he was being really intense really hard on her but like they had this level of respect between each other and you know me and chet go way back so i kind of understood what was happening but at the same time i had been so far removed from the sport it almost like did she did she knew did she know at that time how how far back you two went or did she have that kind of advanced knowledge or or did did you just not did did you just not communicate that to her, her at the time on that day i don't think she did she may have had an idea but i don't think she knew specifically that i had met chet and started training with him at eight years old i don't think she had so you're in on the gag yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> i think when she found out for real she was like no way it was almost like it was meant to be you know with the with the three of us and so I started skiing with Chet way more uh, after that day because I, I had to be a part of what was occurring down in Boca Raton with Chet Rayleigh at the uh, Palm Beach Training Center. And I got more involved with Chet and Noah. And it just it took my skiing to a whole other level. I started doing things I didn't even know I could possibly do. Uh, and Noah, Noah is Noah Veek, right? Correct. Noah Veek, yeah. Chet's kind of partner in crime down there. Absolutely. So, I mean, obviously, obviously with Noah... Uh, not too far behind is Vanessa. Yes. You know, so, I mean, how, how did that dynamic kind of, you know, work with, with Elizabeth being in close proximity? I mean, were, were they, were they, were they eyeing up each other so far as their, so far as their practices were concerned? Were they, were they actively trying to, you know, beat each other out in the water, that kind of stuff? Or, or was it fairly lighthearted at the time? Oh, no. I mean, there's always this level of, competition that we have with each other as competitors out on the water um and there's always some sort of sizing up quote unquote but vanessa skis in the afternoon elizabeth and i kind of ski in the morning we would cross paths sometimes and there was always a level of respect there was never any you know anything weird going on um but no we love vanessa we love noah and everyone's at palm beach training center is extremely supportive of each other 
and nothing would be able to get in between that you know level of respect that all the athletes have there okay so at at that time your personal best was the the something at 38 yeah the, like the, three or three and a half three now your personal best is two passes two passes further down yes. so let let let's see if we can get from that point to the point today where you're consistently getting through 39 and a half off and and getting some people to to sit up and take notice so okay let's let's take it from there to there well, okay, so, you know, I was trying to run 38 in a tournament so I can qualify for open men because I cared so much about Elizabeth and being around her. I was like, man, if I could just qualify for the open men status, and then I can go to all the tournaments with Elizabeth, and then we can hang out together there, too, because I had, you know, a crush on this girl. Meat, carrot, meat, stick. Exactly. And so I was like, well, I'll never be competitive with those guys, but maybe I can just go to the events and have fun and, and hang out. And so I was really focused on just getting my open men's status. And this is like two years ago. Um, and since then, I've actually picked up like six buoys every single year. I just kind of continued to climb. Um, and hopefully, you know, next year we'll be... We'll now it gets a little harder to put, to put an additional six buoys on, on top of what you've already done. Well, yeah, a little bit harder. But, you know, maybe we'll see. But basically from there to there... From A to B, I just I never even knew it, what was possible, and you know a testament to Bill Montavon who drives me every dang day out at Okahili, Elizabeth who supported me, and she's the one who made me write down my goals at the beginning. You know when we first met, like write down your skills and you'll find you'll you know you'll match them. I promise. And to Chet Rayleigh who's coached me every single day too. Um, you know those are the those are the three people in my life and my family, my parents of course, who have really you know. They're the ones who have gotten me to this, you know, three of forty-one status. I made the final at Hilltop. Yeah, like, you did. The gratification of having those milestones in, in my ski career has been so great because I know that they're the ones who have gotten me there. That my support team, you know what I mean? It's it's been really really fulfilling this year seeing some results. So you cleared thirty-nine and a half off for the first time this year, wasn't that right? That's correct. Yeah. So what 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 was what was that reaction like? A big fist bump, man, and you sit down at the end of the lake, and then you realize you got to come back at the 41, 10.25. You know, you kind of have to shake it off really quick. But, no, I mean, that was huge, too. Uh, it's, it's crazy because in tournament, it's much more difficult. There's all these different factors, and your heart rate's a little higher, and, you know, it's, it's tough to take those passes down in tournament. I mean, people see the pros do it here all the time, you know, just smacking 39 left and right off the dock and runoffs. Okay, don't let's, 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 back, let's back up a little bit. Okay, you're coming around buoy number four and you're approaching number five and you're still on top of the ski. What, what, was, what was going on into buoy number five and, and, and try to control the expletive here? <laughs> well, if you back up the Swiss, I had it there. You remember mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I remember that. I yeah. five ball choked and kind of safety checked it a little too hard and then ended up with five and a half. And so when I was at Okahili uh, in that record tournament, I was like, no matter what, I'm attacking this five ball because I'm not getting five and a half again. Absolutely not. Um, so it was kind of this revert back to your training, know that you're able to do it, and just come out of five strong so you're not choking it like I did at Swiss. All right, then. And you've, you've cleared 39 and a half off first time this season and a number of other times this season, not only in, in just your uh, run-of-the-mill uh, uh, record tournaments, but also in places, you know, like, like Hilltop. Now, 
obviously a world of difference between Okahili Park and this place here over in Groveland uh, for the uh, Travis Grand Prix and Hilltop, you know, because you don't you don't get to ski in water that's that 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 much cooler in relative terms, do you? No, it's definitely very different, I'll tell you. Um, it was my second time at Hilltop when I ran that 3 at 41 there, and I had no practice either because we landed on Friday, and they said uh, no practice in between events or after the event has, had commenced. So I was going into the first round uh, completely cold. and So why did, where did your mind go to at that event when they said, okay, no practice, okay? So did did you think to a point where you've been before like you know i haven't practiced i haven't practiced before in so and so and so and so tournaments and yet i've skied fairly decently what are my keys here you know it's tough tony i mean you you can't freak out you can't worry you just have to go in confident knowing that you've been skiing well and you have to be confident in the training that you've you know prepared and done prior to the event uh, regardless of the lack of familiarization you just kind of have to trust in yourself in those moments all right then so halfway down 41 off you're a finalist at hilltop you know probably over moon at, the, at that point so so i mean what was what was going through your mind as your head hit the pillow on on that uh, on that occasion well of course i was super ecstatic i mean it was my first pro final and you know, it was the second time I've gotten that three at forty-one. And I bet there wasn't much sleep involved. No, no, it was fine. I mean, I'm a good sleeper, Tony. I'll tell you, I, I'm very excellent at sleep. So I slept like a baby for eight hours, like I always do. Um, but it is a little more nerve-wracking because there's more eyeballs on you. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. will just watch the finals on Sunday, and especially the folks that that, that also look at the bowl of spray and like say, "Who the heck is Stevie Island?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you definitely have more attention, and it is a little bit more heavy nerves, and you do have like the announcers kind of more involved in what you're doing when you're in the final. I wonder um, who that could be. Yeah, someone yeah. like you. You know, Maybe. talking about my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, it it was an amazing experience. um, And I really, you know, I want to accomplish that again. I want to make the final at every event that I that I get to now. And does that incentivize uh, uh, Elizabeth to do likewise as well? Because because now you're setting that now she set the bar pretty high. Now you've kind of superseded her a little bit with the bar that you set. Now she's got to come back and say, all right, then. okay. Okay, uh, you you drop your cards down. We'll, we'll, we'll see you and raise you. Well, Elizabeth doesn't need my help with motivation. I can promise you that she is a highly motivated, ambitious woman, and and she's killed it last year. She won Miami Pro in oh, a yeah. runoff with Regina Jaquist, the greatest slalom skier of all time. I mean, she she did a phenomenal job last year, and and she definitely doesn't need my help. And I've been chasing her ever since I that day in the boat with Chet Rayleigh. Uh, she's been an amazing motivator for me personally, um, and and a role model, honestly. And it's pretty cool when your wife is your role model. Indeed, indeed, and and and, and, and obviously you've motivated her during the course of of the season. She hasn't skied all that much this season. I think a lot of that was down down to injury. I think she pulled some muscles in her arm and or something like that, right? She had a really bad crash in May, like the second week of May, and right after Swiss. Um, and she's she's been struggling with that injury. She's been struggling uh, with skis and and um, trying to get the right setup and just had some you know just that injury really set her back. And so she's just kind of taking her time with her recovery process, you know, doing her and 
and uh, you know, making sure that when she comes back to competition, that she's coming back strong and, and ready to go. How does how does that press upon your 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 skiing as well? You know, I mean, because it's, I mean, I mean, I mean, one crash and your training partner is out of action on the water for a considerable amount of time. So it's basically you and you alone that's do it that's that's doing the on water activity, you know. So, you know, how does how does that situation play out? Well it's really amazing because despite the fact that Elizabeth had some time off the water this year, my support team was still there for me. You know, Bill would still drive me even if Elizabeth wasn't training that day. Chet was still coaching me regardless of uh, Elizabeth's a- absence at times. Um, so, you know, I didn't really feel alone. I mean, Elizabeth still supported me and she's still supporting me now, even though she's not here at this event. Um, and I, we just got married, you know, a lot of wives would be pretty upset. Like, hey, why are you running up to Orlando like right after we got married? You know, she's been extremely supportive regardless of the fact that, you know, she's still kind of bouncing back from that. All right, then. So, uh, this event, uh, this weekend, you know, it's it, it's a really it, it's a really interesting juxtaposition because the last time that you skied in this event, you were one of the amateurs. This time around, two years later, you're one of the pros. I mean, I mean, what up with that? It's it's kind of a cool feeling, Tony. I mean, I'm really excited. I had so much fun at the last two events here as an amateur. I, it's so cool how you know Jack and John put on this such the sick event where you can ski, you can ski with the pros. It's a community effort, and then you go into this skeet shooting and go-karting situation like it's just such a cool concept and the fact that they pull it off each and every time they do it is just it's fantastic so thank you to to jack and leilani and john for and chris for having me all right then so the uh, the next few months uh i mean of i mean obviously you've got the miami pro of course you're going to be skiing in that mm-hmm. i would i would imagine yeah. and then then you've got then you've got uh the off season uh, where you're training for uh, for a whole bunch of tournaments, starting with Swiss, but it is a world's year, so you want to try and so you're looking to try and bump up your performances to put you high enough on the rankings list in order for you to qualify to skin those worlds as an individual, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, that's a huge goal of mine is to qualify for worlds. That'd be really really cool. Um, and of course, there's Moomba too. So there's all these different tournaments that I'm thinking about going to and and need to qualify for. So you're always trying to train for the next event. You're always trying to train for the next buoy so that you can you know be higher up in the world rankings and just leverage yourself to be in the best position to go to these events. Not bad for a humble little competitor hailing out of the Metroplex, huh? Hey, I mean, I always got to represent the South Central region. You know, there's not a lot of us who uh, are on the circuit, so I'm always shouting out South Central. Greenies here driving the men and he's a south central bra he's from arkansas well and i lay a, lay a little claim to being a south central skier i mean come on of course i can't forget about you tony i'm sorry man no worries no worries <laughs> at all okay well uh, we'll put a bow on this uh, podcast uh just just remind you a little bit about the ski or die podcast and yeah. ski or die ski or die podcast you know we've had a little bit of a hiatus this year but that'll be coming back strong in the winter and you can go to ski or die dot shop to shop our merchandise and our our foundation guide which is uh for fitness programming all right then so uh, like i said we'll uh, we'll put a bow on this uh, podcast thank you very much for participating uh any acknowledgements any thanks shout outs that kind of stuff i'll uh, hand the mic over to you for that purpose yeah i mean like i said again john you know jack leilani chris thank you so much for having me at the travers grand prix again uh and thank you to my family and elizabeth and bill dave tracy kristen love you guys and of course chet Rayleigh. Um, and thank you tony for having me 
Why, thank you very much. And uh, that was uh, Stephen Island. And uh, this is Tony Lightfoot with the latest edition of the TWBC podcast. Until next time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC podcast.